We do the five, the 10, the half, the full, the marathon, and we added a 50K in 2014 for our 50th anniversary. We are excited to host the National Half Marathon Championships. So what that means for us is welcoming the nation's fastest athletes to Winnipeg. That was Kirsten Fleming and Rachel Monday, and this is episode 85 of the Inspired Souls podcast. Hi, I'm Carolyn, and I'm a roadrunner. And I'm Kim, and I'm a trail runner. Welcome to our podcast, where we bring the communities of trail and road running together and explore the parallels between running and life. Today, we're pleased to welcome Kirsten Fleming and Rachel Monday to the show. Kirsten is the executive director of Run Calgary, and Rachel is the executive director of the Manitoba Marathon. And as you're about to hear, they view themselves as collaborators rather than competitors in their work to put on some of Canada's top-notch race experiences. Both events are returning to their usual spring dates for the first time since 2019, and there is definite excitement in the air. Going strong since 1963, the Calgary Marathon is Canada's oldest marathon and has been pleased to offer a 50k distance that has served as the Canadian National Championships since the event's 50th anniversary in 2014. Founded in 1979, the Manitoba Marathon will once again host the Canadian Half Marathon Championships and Winnipeggers are extra excited to showcase our beautiful city to some of the nation's fastest athletes who may be visiting for the first time. Please visit our links in the show notes to secure your spot for whatever race distance feels right for you from 5K to 50K. And now on to our conversation with Kirsten Fleming and Rachel Monday. All right, Kirsten and Rachel, it's such a treat to have you both here. Thanks for joining us on Inspired Souls. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Yes, well, I think it is very, very safe to say that Race season is officially upon us, and it seems that runners are flocking to start lines everywhere. So we couldn't think of two better people to have on the show than the executive directors of Run Calgary and the Manitoba Marathon. So we're thrilled to hear more about uh, both of these races that take place in both of our backyards, Kim in Calgary and, and me in Winnipeg. So why don't we start with just a little short introduction from you both, something we like to call the dynamic warm-up. Uh, basically who you are, where you're from, and uh, what you do. So Rachel, why don't you go ahead first? Oh boy. Okay. Uh, my name is Rachel Monday. I'm the executive director for the Manitoba Marathon. I am a born and bred Winnipegger. I've lived here all my life. Um, I've raised my family here. I've worked in the running community since um, the early 2000s. And I've worked with the marathon since 2015. So this year, including COVID years, which may or may not count, uh, or count for double, perhaps, uh, this will be my seventh year uh, with the marathon itself. So really excited to get back to running and getting back to uh, having people at the start line this year, for sure. Definitely. And we are going to get into that. But before we go there, I always love hearing what led you to your role. Did you do something before this job? Yeah. So um, I wasn't a lifelong runner. I started running when my kids were small. Um, it was a an idea that we had, uh, the girls and I, our kids all went to school together. And we were, we decided one night at the keg over drinks, as these things, you know, typically happen, that we should all start running and we should run the Marine Corps Marathon in Washington, D.C. Not knowing at that moment that the Marine Corps Marathon was already sold out for that year 
or how long you had to run to run a full marathon or any of those details. Uh, but it sounded like a great idea. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> so it sounded like a great idea. So we all started running and, um, and that led me to certainly, you know, uh, starting with the running room and running 10 minutes, walk a minute, you know, and doing the learn to run and building up from there. And from there, I think all 12 of us that originally started running, we, um, ran, I think I've run five full marathons and probably 30 half marathons over the years. Um, But I also started working for the running room in that period of time. And I worked my way up and I became the regional manager for Manitoba and Saskatchewan and the event coordinator uh, Mm -hmm. for many, many years. And then uh, worked my way up into the Manitoba Marathon. Okay. Well, it was meant to be and a natural progression, it sounds like. Yeah. What, what was an evening of drinks um, and a decision to start running uh, changed my life. Definitely. And did you, I have to ask, did you end up running the Marine Corps Marathon eventually? I did run the Marine Corps Marathon. Uh, I went with a group of friends and coworkers from the running room. I ended up not going with any of the girls that I actually started with uh, in training for that purpose. We ran many races together, but not Marine Corps. And um, anyone who's run it knows it's an amazing event. It's extremely scenic. There's a lot of people and nothing beats the last 0.2 miles when you're running um, almost vertically up a hill with Marines standing on each side of the road yelling at you if you even think about walking. Yes. (laughs) Well, the reason I ask is because that was my first marathon and I did it in the year 2000 on its 25th anniversary. I think they had cool. 25,000 people. It took me like 20 minutes to cross the start line. But yeah. I do remember that hill in the last, I thought it was like the most cruel thing that you could ever do in a otherwise flat marathon is to put this gigantic hill right at the end. Well, and the other thing they do is if you don't get to mile 18 by a certain time, they park a bus across the bridge with the door open. So if you don't make the cutoff, you basically just have to get on the bus. Oh, yeah. Ouch. Yeah. That's that's military psychology for you, right? Yeah. 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 (laughs) Exactly. Well, let's bring you into the conversation, Kirsten. Did you want to give your uh, little introduction? Tell us uh, what led you also to being executive director of Run Calgary. I just learned so much. I've known (laughs) Rachel for so long. I learned about the Marine Corps. I learned about that whole story from the keg. I didn't know any of that. So that's great. Um, I'm Kristen Fleming, and I'm the executive director of Run Calgary, and this will be my 10th year. I agree with Rachel, COVID years count as double, so uh, no, it really is my 10th anniversary of Calgary Marathon. I came to the marathon as a volunteer and as a runner, and then eventually um, ended up working for them. It's kind of a convoluted, I had a first career sort of story, but I used to be a journalist. I'm from Regina. I went to the University of Regina, got a journalism degree and worked in Regina at CTV, and then ended up coming to Calgary uh, when A-Channel first started, which is now City and owned by Rogers. But back then it was a bootstrap, small little station. And that was my my first real gig. Um, and I worked there for 10 years and, and worked on the morning show. And, and the marathon was a big client. Um, and so was Sport Check Mother's Day. And now I get to oversee those events. But I actually have emceed them and helped out at them um, in my first life before I was even a runner at those races. And then I started going to um, the running room with a couple of girlfriends and we wanted to take up running in our 20s and, uh, you know, like kind of 
early 20s is partying my face off. And I was like, I need to get healthy. I played sport as a young person and, you know, did um, basketball and soccer growing up. And, you know, opportunities just drop as you get older, especially for women. And so I kind of gravitated towards running in my 20s because I grew up in a family where I had really amazing role models. My aunt, Margaret and Uncle Brian, who I talk about almost every podcast or anytime I get the chance, really inspired me. They both run hundreds of marathons all over the world, continue to. My aunt's bibs retired at Comrades um, and she's done two oceans a bunch of time. They were running very, you know, in the 80s before it was on Vogue and they lived in South Africa during the, the running boom. So they were my inspiration. I grew up mm. hearing of the stories of them traveling with their friends and uh, running all over the world. And I lived with my um, family a couple of different times in my life. And so would kind of get the bug. And they were living in Dubai. And my aunt said, if you ever decide that you're going to do a marathon, I want you to come do your first marathon with me. So uh, in 2008, a girlfriend who I worked at City TV with, um, her and I <laughs> went on a whirlwind trip and did a, a January marathon in Dubai. So first winter training, having to like go home early on a weekend and get up and run outside in December, all those long runs over Christmas was very challenging. Um, <laughs> yes. But did our first marathon uh, at sea level, that helped. Yes. Um, and I got the bug. So yeah, I haven't ever really looked back. And I think traveling with your girlfriends to do races is one of the best parts about being in the running community for sure. Um, and then how I came to work there is, I, it's kind of a long story, but the short version is I moved to Dubai eventually. My aunt was so involved in the running community that I ended up kit stuffing and helping at the Dubai um, half marathon and being a voluntold. And when I moved back to Calgary, I was like, hey, do people get paid to do this? Is this like a job? Uh, and I really sought out the marathon uh, gig. I worked for an agency that had a, a media contract and I helped out. And then when there was some changeover in the staff, I applied for the executive director role and they really took a chance on me. I was, you know, 28, had no experience other than I could, you know, talk my way into anything. And uh, the board of directors took a took a big chance on me. So I, I'm very grateful. And again, like what Rachel said, I have to echo it. Running changed my life. And then, you know, obviously having it as a career has just been like an amazing 10 years. And I will say she can still talk her way into anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, having a background in media probably helps. So that's what great. came wow. first. What came first? It's a chicken <laughs> and the egg scenario. Yeah. So let's hear all about both races. Let's start with Kirsten. Um, the Calgary Marathon. So it's coming up first out of the two races, May 29th. It's my understanding that it's Canada's oldest marathon. Is that correct? How many years has it been running? This will be 58. Um, so it's not the oldest race. Don't say that because people with older races get very angry about right. that. Okay. Yes. We love you, Anna, at Around the Bay. Yes. <laughs> also a great race. So is it the oldest marathon though? Longest running marathon. Yeah. So okay. it's got a okay. very cool history. And I actually just went into our Calgary Marathon website and updated some COVID history because I was like, that's going to need to go down in the record books. Um, and I was rereading through some of it. And our founder, Doug Kyle, he uh, is still alive, still volunteers for Calgary Marathon, lovely human. Um, and he started the race back in the 60s because he wanted a competitive advantage uh, over people out east. And he wanted to hold the Olympic trials. And he did go on to actually go to the Olympics for Canada. But that first year in 63, there was a year it didn't happen. And then there was a year where there was two. So there is quite a, you know, it's 58 this year, 
um, but not all of them consecutive. So that's why I would say longest running marathon. So it's changed quite a bit. The first one was 19 men only lined up and they kind of went out on a dusty road. I mean, Calgary is obviously significantly smaller, um, but we have that first start line picture. I blew it up and it's a massive installation in our office in black and white uh, in our kitchen. So I had no idea. So that's well before the running boom that oh yeah that yeah you held you the first one that is super super cool well go what did you say his name was Doug Doug yeah go Doug. Doug Kyle yeah <laughs> what a visionary That's awesome. so I always joke when people come to volunteer for the marathon that you have to stay as long as Doug running has a way of hooking people I don't know <laughs> it might not be that hard yeah um so Rachel <laughs> let's bounce to you um the Manitoba Marathon is coming up on June 19th. It's historically on Father's Day every year, correct? Yes, absolutely. And tell us just a little bit about the history of the Manitoba Marathon. So we started in 1979. Uh, We were started by John Robertson, who was a reporter for the CBC at the time. And the impetus to start the Manitoba Marathon was that there was a fire at the Manitoba Development Centre And there were several individuals who passed away in the fire, and he wanted to figure out a way to raise money to support people living with intellectual disabilities. So in 1979, when the running boom was just starting, they had just been to Boston to run the marathon there, and they came back with this idea that this would be a great way uh, to start a fundraiser. So um, the first year of the marathon, we started at the old uh, Winnipeg Arena that everyone knew and loved. There were 4,000 runners almost 4,000 runners, and the route was down Portage Avenue, uh, across the Misericordia Bridge, out Roblin, all the way to Headingley, and then back up Portage Avenue in the heat of the sun. And this was, of course, back in the day when nobody really knew what a marathon was, right? So 26 miles. No water tables. (laughs) No water stations, terry cloth shorts, you know, fishermen caps, ladies in tube tops, Men in cotton t-shirts, you know, all of the fun things that we know and love. On a weekend that is typically the first hot weekend of the year. 100%. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, you know, certainly we've come a long way since then. This year will be our 44th year running. So not quite as long as Kirsten, but, uh, you know, nothing to be ashamed of, certainly. So, Yeah. So, you know, we've come a long way. We've come from one event to uh, six different events on race day and, and thousands and thousands of people. And yeah, Mm -hmm. here we are. And how many, uh, talking about the thousands and thousands of people, like what uh, kind of numbers do you expect to see? I guess this year might be a little bit different, but take us back to 2019. What kind of numbers did you see in, in your events that year? So in 2019, we had 9,000, I only just looked at this yesterday, so I actually know the number. It was 9,320 some odd runners um, on race day. Um, This year for COVID, um, while I would love to say, sorry, post-COVID, I'd love to say that we're having 9,300 runners, but um, we're probably looking somewhere closer to seven. Yeah. Okay. And what about the Calgary Marathon, Kirsten? Yeah, in 2020, we were actually on track for a record year before we um, had to go Mm -hmm. virtual because of the pandemic, but we have not been able to recover. And I think part of it is that we had an event in September, we limited it to 5000 and it sold out, but I think we cannibalized ourselves a little bit Mm -hmm. by kind of finishing the season and starting the season. 
again. So we're kind of expecting around 6,500. I'd be really happy if we get to 7,000, but that's certainly down quite a bit because we were usually around 13. And what I'm finding is it's very based on geography. And I'm really in touch with a lot of race directors across the globe. And interestingly, Canada is not rebounding at the same uh, level and speed as some places in like, obviously the U.S. is just like miles ahead of us, no pun intended. They're seeing like record numbers at some small races, races doubling, like it's wild. And if you talk to race directors across the country in Canada, with the exception of Vancouver being yesterday, they had record numbers, but it was their 50th anniversary. So Rachel, you've got six years to capitalize on this. I mean, we had a record year on our 50th in 2014. But generally speaking, everyone's saying that their numbers are down about 20 to 30 percent from 2019 numbers, which feels accurate um, hearing what Rachel's saying. So what my message would be to your listeners is to get out and support your races in your backyard. Uh, We need all the help we can get. They're not sold out. You can buy last minute bibs. (laughs) Yeah, you bet. Yeah. And at Calgary Marathon, how many events are there? You've got the marathon, but you have other distances as well, right? Yeah. So we we do a lot of things. We do the five, the 10, the half, the full, the marathon. And we added a 50K in 2014 for our 50th anniversary. And it was like kind of a lark, but it stuck. And we're still we're still doing that 50K. It's small, but it's actually the national championships for road racing. Every year since we've had it, we've been awarded oh. that. So it's a point of pride for us because we've been able to send a lot of really accomplished runners to worlds and Doha and Estonia and Slovenia. And I was like, take me. I want to come watch you (laughs) run there. So um, we do get quite the draw for both trail runners who come out and obviously road runners who come out and travel to that race. It's the competitive race at 50K. And that's how I know Mm -hmm. Jake was. He's won it many times. Yes. Yes. And we're referring to uh, Jacob Pusey, a recent guest on the show, and he was just singing your praises as far as uh, what you've done to kind of keep race directors afloat during the pandemic and implementing best practices and things going forward in the running community. So that's absolutely amazing. We were going to talk about that later on in the show, but do you have any comments on that right now? You sort of took the lemons and made lemonade, it sounds like. Well, he's a runner and a race director, so he definitely mm-hmm. has insight into both sides of things. Mm-hmm. But, and he's also just like a very kind, conscientious human. Um, so that's very nice of him. But I would say that, honestly, like the race director community in Canada specifically was already very close. And I would say COVID just like brought us so much closer. Yep. We've really banded together. Before the pandemic started, there was a group of what, maybe 10 or 12 of us, Rachel, who went out yep. for the San Diego Lululemon 10k race directors and we did the bus shuttles and we joked that between us we had like 160 years worth of race directing experience (laughs) we were the fastest bus loaders you could ever imagine (laughs) (laughs) a title you never thought you would earn but uh there it is we're the most overqualified shuttle managers ever right (laughs) (laughs) um but we definitely um shared like more than ever during the pandemic and a big part of that was our our dear friend charlotte brooks who is the national event director at canada running series and probably a future guest of your show she put together early on not so happy hours we called them um and we were meeting at one point weekly and then eventually monthly and i think we're still meeting monthly now um and it's race directors really from the maritimes all the way to you know the west coast And we meet once a month and we just hash out 
you know, what's going on and, and share and, and try and learn from one another. And also, you know, like there was three races yesterday, so we'll have a call next week. And it's like, what have, what have we learned? What, have pe- what, are, right. what behaviors mm, have amazing. changed? Is there anything we need yep. to know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's been extremely helpful to have each other to lean on. I love that. And people could view you as competitors, but the fact that you view each other as symbiotically connected, you know, and when one person wins, everybody wins. I talk to us a little bit more about that. Like what are some real concrete things that you have each learned in your races that you've shared with other race directors or, or vice versa? Like what have you learned from others? You know, I was going to speak further to what Kirsten said, I think that what you what you said, Kim, is like the nail on the head is we don't view each other as competitors. We recognize very early that the only way for us to get out of this situation was for us, all of us to work together and to pool our knowledge and to figure out what the best practices were, because we knew if one of us could do it successfully, that the rest of us could learn from that and we could just continue to grow and learn And that when people saw that we could do races in person safely, that that was how we were going to bring people back to the start line, like collaboratively, right? And that we would be Mm -hmm. able to all enjoy the success of that because we were certainly all not enjoying all of the things that COVID was bringing us as people who put on mass participation events. You know, very early on when when all of the races were canceled, and fortunately for Kirsten, hers was one of the first ones on the chopping block because when things shut down, you know, they were well into their registration and race planning and things like that, as were others. Um, and for us at the marathon, at the Manitoba Marathon, you know, we were still a ways out from race day. So we had the ability to postpone our planning. And we had hoped that, you know, not knowing anything, obviously, that we might be able to do something in the fall. So our team worked to make a plan to return to in-person racing that fall. And really benefited from the collaboration of all of the amazing race directors across the country to make that plan. I would say, wouldn't you, Kirsten? And then, you know, further to that, when it didn't happen, and then we started the process all over again for 2021, it ended up that we were actually the first ones to go in 2021, which was the September, a whole year later. So, and at that point, you know, we were able to, like, Uh, Kirsten mentioned Charlotte Brooks from CRS came out and helped with our event. Um, And then her and I went out to Calgary and worked Kirsten's event. And then we all went out to uh, Toronto and worked Charlotte's event. So all of the things that we learned as we went around, we took back with us and we made everybody's event better as we went through the season, right? Because we knew, oh, that didn't go right in Manitoba or, you know, we could have improved on that in Calgary, which of course nobody else maybe would have noticed, but we knew that we could just do it better if we all worked together. So I think that was probably the biggest thing, but we all developed our return to racing plan collaboratively on those not so happy hours, right? We spent a lot of not so happy hours talking about if this, then that, and if that, then this, Mm -hmm. and, you know, pulse starts and water stations and bag check and food distribution and garbage cleanup and all of the things, everything, all of it. You had multiple iterations of 
options ready to go, it sounds like. And it sounds like there were some silver linings, or, or I guess you made the most of it anyway. And I love the the collaboration and the working together and the passing on of the knowledge. That's just all so incredibly heartwarming. And we feel that as runners at the start lines. You know, I was lucky enough to participate in the Manitoba Marathon event. I did the 10K, but it was just, we honestly didn't care. We just were so happy to be back at a start line. And didn't wasn't the Manitoba Marathon the first big city race that happened post-COVID? We were, yeah. So uh, we had planned to be the first in, you know, October of 2020. Uh, and then obviously didn't happen and then spent a whole nother year planning. So yes, we were the first, we weren't the largest. You know, we started out a little bit smaller and then went on to Calgary, who was bigger certainly and then and then Toronto was I think even bigger so yeah Mm -hmm. we were able to to work together and grow it and improve it and bring runners back to the start line safely and you know with all of the races that happened last year I don't know that there were any in Canada that even reported incidences of COVID um, spread at any of those events so Mm -hmm. you know that was that was a testament not only to you know the work we did together but you know, the volunteers and the runners and, mm-hmm. and everybody else. So. Well, Kirsten, I think I heard you on a podcast say something along the lines of as race directors, we're in the business of health and safety and coming to our event is safer than going to the grocery store. Do you remember saying that? And do you want to elaborate on anything there? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I still believe that to be true. I think like there's a social contract between runners and races and that you sign up and register and you expect that you're going to go and have a great time and then it's going to be safe and you really don't give it that much thought. We mm-hmm. really had to start speaking, you know, at nauseum about the safety of races during the pandemic, but that's really what we do. It's just not the sexy stuff we talk about or market because it's like, that's the expectation. Um, but nobody's going to a race worried about like, oh, are the roads going to be closed because they just trust that that will be done. So, you know, we went above and beyond and it was through that collaboration, not just with other race directors, but with other um, agencies, other, I mean, we were talking to people in festivals, we we were really collaborating across industries, cross, you know, agencies and, and races. And then even on a global scale, I mean, there's lots of race director groups that we're meeting, um, including Rachel and Charlotte and I had a, a women's group that included people from Chicago and Big Sur and San Francisco and, uh, Twin Cities. And we were meeting once a month and hashing things out. So, the collaboration was honestly next level. We had so much time, right? We were all sitting around and people were drinking and having happy hours. We were just doing it and talking about the race industry. And so I, I still believe that. I mean, if you come to Calgary Marathon on, on Sunday, May 29th, even though you're not going to have masks and social distancing, we have put in mechanisms and taken what we've learned through the pandemic to make sure that the experience is safer and better than it ever was. So Things like, you know, we now have sign up for package pickup slots because people enjoyed not having to stand in line and have these huge rushes Mm -hmm. and it was great for our Mm -hmm. volunteers. And so we now, you know, have 50 slots in the morning because we know people just show up anyways. And then every other slot is 150 and we time it out so that that's a smoother experience. And that's the only portion that's inside. So it also is going to limit your exposure. Um, So I I stand by my grocery store statement. (laughs) So what are you both looking forward to the most having gone through the last two years when it comes to returning to regularly scheduled programming? Seeing people's faces. That's going to be <laughs> new and fun. We, you know, we had events in the, 
in the fall. And uh, well, Rachel's Rachel's people at Manitoba Marathon were very good at keeping their masks on well into the race. I saw some faces at the start line because we had masks in the start line, but people were ditching them pretty quick um, as soon as they started running. But, you know, they were putting them back on at the finish line. And that's my only exposure because I'm, I'm venue management, not on course. And so, you know, it'll be nice to see people cross the finish line with their big smiles and their expressions mm-hmm. and their ugly crying. And, you know, they have a million different reasons on why they're there. And uh, that barrier of, you know, the mask, it really makes things a lot less personal. Um, so I think, you know, it'll be really great to just see people's expressions again. I couldn't agree more. Do you have anything to add to that, Rachel, or expand on? I think Kirsten nailed it on the head. I would say even when I saw you yesterday morning and I was had my own little private cheer station on my driveway for the other event that happened here in the city, that was the best day I've had in a long time. And it was cold and rainy and windy, but people were so happy to be out there and so genuinely grateful and full of joy. And I think that's what we've missed, right? Is just that like pure unadulterated joy when you start the race you're standing in the corral and you're waiting for that you know that nervous energy you're waiting to start your race but the the feeling of watching all of those people cross the finish line and for us to be able to finish back on ig field this year and see people you know coming in on the jumbotron and having their arms up in the air and like you said kirsten the ugly cry or you know falling on their knees or hugging their training partner knowing what we've been through the last several years and the things that those training, those people training together have probably talked about on the road, right? And to turn to the person next to you and give them a hug or whatever that might be, those moments are why we do what we do for sure. It never gets old, does it? It could never get old because everybody has their own story. I could not agree more. And that is exactly why we have a podcast where we talk about (laughs) running with people. (laughs) I never get tired of hearing people's stories. So um, circling back around. So Kirsten, you mentioned that the Calgary Marathon has a 50K, but didn't the Manitoba Marathon add a 50K in the last few years? Can you tell us a little bit about that one? Um, We planned a 50K for 2020, and that was going to be our inaugural race based on the success of Kirsten and her team. Um, Because that's what we do, right? We share ideas and successes. And then, of course, we weren't able to hold it because the event was canceled. So this year will be our inaugural 50K. Okay, we'll pump this race. How's the registration going for that one? Very excited. Um, Again, it's a smaller field. There's definitely less people that want to run the extra 7.8 kilometers after a full marathon. But uh, it's been very well received and people are really excited to run it. So we're excited to welcome those people back who wanted to register for it in 2020 and and excited Mm -hmm. to welcome all the people that have extended their training through COVID and took on some new crazy challenge. Yeah, I was just going to say, I can think of lots of my Manitoba running friends that would gladly sign up for the 50K. Mm -hmm. So I'll have to... Make sure they're aware of that. I will freely admit I have no desire to run 50K, but I definitely appreciate people who want to push themselves. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And on that note, uh, if I understand correctly, the Manitoba Half Marathon will serve as the Canadian Half Marathon Championships through its partnership with Athletics Canada. So can you tell us what that means for people that aren't familiar with what a championships is? Yeah, so we are excited to host the National Half Marathon Championships for our second year. 
2019 was our first year. It was actually a four-year agreement. So we lost two years in the middle uh, that, again, we won't talk about. But um, so what that means for us is welcoming the nation's fastest athletes to Winnipeg. Um, And for us, um, that was a really big deal when we signed that contract with Athletics Canada. In 2019, we had, I think, 45 athletes that came and towed the line at the start line, male and female. And out of those runners, none of the athletes from outside of Manitoba had ever run in Winnipeg before. Oh, wow. Yes. Wow. And I would have to think that that's a fast half marathon being so flat. Yeah. Right. So we were very excited uh, to have them come and run our event um, and to see our beautiful city, right? I mean, we all know that Winnipeg gets a little bit of a bum rap and, you know, we've changed a lot in the last 10 years um, and they loved it. They loved the route. They loved the, the food. They loved everything that we had to offer as a city. And so what that means for us is, uh, you know, all the spectators on the course get to watch the, you know, Olympians run through the streets of Winnipeg and cheer them on as they're crossing the finish line and, you know, all those great things. So it's very special. It's a lot of fun. Some people get a little bit starstruck if they're standing in the infield on race day and seeing their favorite runner cross the finish line, as do we, right? So, yeah, Kirsten. Uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a little bit more work. Um, you know, we try to treat them treat them special and make them feel welcome and appreciated. And uh, at the same time, we all know that this is their job and they're there to work. And it's our job to put on a great race for them and to have the course ready and and all of those things for them so that they can run their best time and, and, you know, get those standards that they want. So we're very excited, very excited to have them. Yes. And what can we expect in terms of like, will, will there be that extra little bit of fanfare around that particular event, the half marathon for, for any of us mere mortals who happen to be running the, the half marathon, will there be some extra pomp and circumstance around the half? Yeah, in 2019, we did some media events at the Fit Expo. So uh, all of the athletes were there. We did some interviews and they kind of did some fun facts and things like that. So we're looking at introducing some of that programming back into the Expo for Saturday this year so that people can kind of get a bit of a meet and greet with their favorite athlete. And then certainly at the race, when you're crossing the finish line, you'll see them in the finish area and that kind of thing. So and definitely more media around the race and, you know, more interviews in the infield and, you know, more interaction on race day. So and you'll definitely see them at the start line, Carolyn. You'll see them in the... I will definitely be one of those people that's starstruck. <laughs> Carolyn, you should yeah. sign up to be one of the pea chaperones. Doesn't that sound like the best job ever? <laughs> yes, tell me more. Tell me more. Because there's drug testing when you host a national championship. Okay. And so you have to like, work ah, with people who will oversee the athletes as they cross the finish line. And this is how I got to know Natasha Wotak because my mom... My mom was her pee, t- her pee chaperone. And then <laughs> and it takes them like an hour and a yeah, half to produce like sometimes the sample, it takes right? a little, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so you got to make small talk. For- <laughs> it, it, that can, that can be either a really short job or a really long job. Cause it depends on obviously how, how well hydrated your athlete is. So <laughs> when we cross the finish line, uh, we have a whole team of people that um, are assigned to, to each of these athletes as they come across as Kirsten knows and so once uh, once a winner or an athlete comes across the line, they're never left alone for a moment until they go into that testing area yeah. if they're selected for testing. So we do have a, a number of vol- key volunteers assigned to <laughs> escort them through these, you know, special areas post-race. 
<laughs> well, that sounds like a very important job. <laughs> it's a very important job. Yes. Exactly. Uh, well, another wonderful component of most big city races is the partnership with local charities. So can each of you tell us about your charity partners and a little bit more about who benefits on race day beyond just the runners? Yeah, so um, Calgary Marathon is a little bit unique in the sense that we are um, one of many races in Canada, but globally this isn't a huge uh, accepted charity program. We have a charity challenge. So um, on any given year, we have somewhere around 100 charities that we raise money for. And the great thing about this is that, you know, if you sign up as a runner and you want to make your race more meaningful by making a one-time donation or by fundraising, you really get to find something that makes a lot of sense for you and how and it resonates for you. So I hate to name charities because I don't want to pick favorites, but this yeah. year we do have 70 charity partners. Oh, wow. um, what we found is that a lot of charities are struggling. They've had massive turnover mm-hmm. and it is a little bit of work, right? To, to yeah. um, have an event liaison that manages the program. So we're actually down about 18 charities from 2019, but we did fundraising for charities right through the pandemic. So through our virtual races, we had a lot of success. We raised six hundred thousand dollars in twenty twenty, four hundred and fifty thousand dollars last year, um, and we're on on track to do six hundred thousand this year. The really exciting thing is that we just welcomed a new title sponsor. So uh, it is now the Service Calgary Marathon um, Service Credit Union, uh, a, you mm-hmm. know, long standing, great roots in Alberta, um, and we just announced it about a week and a half ago. And they're also titling the charity challenge. So this will allow us to continue to be able to support the charity challenge with prizing. And uh, we have a manager who oversees the entire program because it's a lot of work to make sure that these charities are onboarded properly and equipped with all the information they need to go out and focus on what they do best, which is raise funds and awareness for their charity and bring people to the race. So what we like to tell our charity partners, it's like you get to put on a race within our race and let us do the work. And we have a very strong partnership with the city of Calgary And so anytime a charity partner goes to the city and says, oh, we want to do a fun run or a fun walk, they always send them to us first. And they're like, (laughs) this charity wants to do a race. We've told them to talk to you because I think what they don't really realize is just how much work, liability, risk on money, like losing money. These are not always winning propositions, putting on runs. Mm -hmm. So we always encourage them to sign up and put your race on within the framework of what we do and focus on what you're great at. And the program has been going... Definitely over a decade, I want to say like 13 or 14 years, um, and we've just been building and growing and have really strong partnerships with some of our charity partners because of it. Mm-hmm. Well, you brought up a really good point there in that I think not a lot of people realize how much work goes into putting on events, right? When they're not in that business, they're like, oh yeah, I'll just put on a run. But maybe you can give us a little, like pull back the curtain and give us a little sneak peek behind the behind the scenes of what goes into pulling off these giant events that the two of you run. Well, I'll tell you that we always joke, like all race directors joke about this, that mm-hmm. the first question per- people ask is, oh, that's a full-time job? I have met people who are in the event business who plan conferences and weddings and galas and golf Mm -hmm. tournaments who will turn around and say, oh, you're a race director. You put on race running events. That's a full-time job. And like, oh, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Is putting on your conference once you're a full-time job? Like (laughs) people have no idea. We're already planning for 2023. So permits and stuff like that are already getting rolling for the following year. 
And as the races have become more sophisticated, more safety focused, with more bells and whistles and meeting all the growing expectations of participants, because the industry has really evolved so much over the last 10, 15 years, every little thing we add, you know, there's a million steps to add that and roll it into the logistics and operations and make sure it goes smoothly. Every sponsor that you bring on requires activation, you know, and handholding. Every charity partner requires, you know, some level of engagement. And then obviously with the the digital world continuing to just get more complicated, it's so like there it lives in so many spaces now. And mm-hmm. it's really not just a one day event year, um, which makes it a very exciting and really like fulfilling journey because you get to be a part of people's lives more than that just one day. But really the the work for next year starts yesterday. <laughs> yes, yes. And I've heard you say too, speaking of the pandemic, like everything was virtual, right? So we you got really good at putting on virtual events. And then when the re- the normal events came back, it was like, oh, but then you had to have a hybrid. And when you, when you said, it's kind of like putting on two events. Not kind of. <laughs> No, it absolutely it is. Yeah, yeah. You're basically putting on two events and that's a lot of work. And I'm not sure again that people recognize just how much work it is. Yeah. We're still we're still tweaking how we are going to deliver exceptional experiences in person and virtual at the same time. And the biggest change that we made this year is that our virtual race window doesn't open until the day after the race. So our in-person is on May 29th, and we always keep our fundraising open for an additional month. So our in-person race is May 29th, and the virtual window opens on May 30th. And part of this is like, we can't, we don't have no capacity to host two package pickups. So we want all our virtual people coming on race weekend to pick up virtually, their virtual packages at package pickup. But also we don't want them taking those virtual bibs and running on race day, which unfortunately does happen. And then we also have, we're mailing out about 400 packages, I think my race director said, and we want those to reach people in time. And because of when you print your bibs, because we want to give in-person people as much time as possible to get their name on their bib. So you wait as close as you can until race day, which affects your delivery dates for mail out. It's so complicated. It honestly is like, these are just things that the regular old racer might not fully appreciate. So thank you for explaining all of that. And I'm sure there's a million other things. Well, Rachel, do you have anything to add? Well, I would say even on top of what Kirsten said, right, is, is usually, I mean, historically, our teams have always put on these amazing in-person events And then, you know, we work for weeks afterward to clean it up and it's like taking down Christmas, right? So you have to clean everything up and pack all the boxes and put everything away. But now that we're offering the virtual option, there's still an event going on for another 30 days. So ours goes from June 19th to July 31st. So where we would normally be taking a little bit of downtime, you know, we're again trying to work to make all of those people have an exceptional virtual experience and packing all those packages and, you know, sharing all of their results on social media and, you know, like all of the things that come with the virtual that make it exciting and special continues after you've had the in-person race. So right. um, it's, it's definitely putting on two separate completely separate events with the same number of people that you would have normally had for sure. So 
I'm curious, you know, you've made an intentional decision to keep virtual this year, you know, to keep a hybrid event this year. At what point, like what are your key metrics, benchmarks, decision points of when virtual, like, is it something that's here to stay? Is it something you think will always now be a part of your events or will you consider phasing it out if A and B happens? It's interesting because in February of 2020, Kirsten and I were at a conference in Las Vegas uh, with Running USA, which is an amazing conference where we learn a lot every year. And they had a breakout session on virtual events. And we all sat in there and we all took notes on all of the races in the States that were doing a virtual component for people who couldn't travel to the race, couldn't be there on race day, you know, whatever the reason might have been two weeks before COVID hit. And I was just actually looking at my notes on my phone the other day and remembering that moment where we thought, oh, this would be a really great idea to introduce some virtual components into our races because we would be able to attract more runners and, you know, all of these things. And then two weeks later, we got back from from this trip and everything went into lockdown and we moved entirely to virtual completely. And so I think now that we're moving out of it, there's definitely, in my opinion, a virtual fatigue. I think people are desperate for interaction and to get back to the start line. I think it it did what it was intended to do through COVID and through the pandemic. And it did keep us all together, even though we were apart. And it gave us opportunities to still set our goals and achieve them and to share them and and remain a community. But um, I think, you know, the majority of people want to be together. It definitely was a means to an end for sure. It, you know, it certainly never replaced seeing people at the start line or the finish line. And will it go away entirely? Maybe. I think there's a time and a place for it. What I'm finding is that the events that we've just kind of like, yeah, we're selling some virtual bibs, like that's not that's not really exciting for people. Again, it does help if you like have to be out of town that year, but you're on a streak or, you know, for if you Mm -hmm. all of a sudden Mm -hmm. have to drop out, maybe you got injured and you want to do it cumulatively um, instead of all on one day. I think there's a, you know, a reason that we're going to keep it for a few years with Calgary Marathon. But I think if the numbers to, to be specific to your metrics question, if the numbers drop and there's no demand, we wouldn't bother. Right. Like if it's not worth your time anymore kind of thing. Yeah. But if there's a demand for it, well, we like, we're here to serve mm-hmm. our participants. But I do think that there's a time and a place for the virtual events. We created virtual events that are purely virtual. We have a stampede. It's called the Flapjack mm-hmm. 15. We have a 12Ks of Christmas. And we get like 1,500 in our 12Ks. And it's like now a tradition for people. This will be the fourth year. People have a big brunch after. They've got their families that they do it with. It's how they start off their December running streak. And it is a huge part of the fabric of Run Calgary now like this is Mm -hmm. a part of our our story and we have now a stampede one that we added a year later and it's become a big thing you know there's an in-person stampede race and frankly a lot of calgarians don't want to get up early and do that because they've been out all week Um, (laughs) and so this is a nice option to still do something healthy and you know sweat in a different way not from being in the tents at at nashville north as kim's going to find out this summer Um, so you know i think we'll probably continue to do those and those are actually growing those races are growing Mm. Whereas our numbers in other virtual, which are hybrid, they're all dwindling. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. So let's call it what it is. This is a virtual race. This is right. an in-person race. And eventually they will shake out in that way, maybe. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
Rachel, maybe we'll go back to you with the charity question. I don't think we heard about uh, the charity partners for the Manitoba Marathon. Yeah. So the Manitoba Marathon is actually uh, a registered charity. So when we started in 1979, we were registered as a charity. And our only focus is supporting people with intellectual disabilities. And we specifically support people who are moving out of institutional care so that they can live on their own independently in the community. So um, we've done, we've supported that cause for 44 years without any diversion. We are one of the only organizations that supports that specific cause in Manitoba, and we are Manitoba-wide. So we support um, individuals who are moving out of, uh, say, St. Amant or Manitoba Development Centre, which was the impetus for the marathon to start. Um, We help them with furniture or clothing or adapted needs that they need to live in their own independent home. And then we also support other things like uh, respite care for families, job creation, um, you know, things like that, that that other organizations aren't able to support. So um, in 2019, we moved uh, the focus of our fundraising and partnered with the United Way, who's an amazing fundraising machine. Uh, for lack of a better word. And and so now we have a private fund at the United Way Winnipeg so that all of the funds that are raised through the Manitoba Marathon to support people with intellectual disabilities mm-hmm. goes directly to the United Way and their team is able to work with all of the organizations that we've always supported and to help individuals. So anyone who lives in Manitoba knows that this year, the Manitoba, Manitoba Development Center is actually closing And there are 100 people still living in care at Manitoba Development Center. So we have a greater need than we've ever had uh, to help these people move back into the community. And so we're really excited to be able to to fundraise more than ever for 2022 and and help these people live in in homes of their own. That is amazing. And again, something that the average runner who just wants to go and run their 5k or their 10k may not know um, just how integral and important these races mm-hmm. are to the fabric of the the broader community. So I'm really glad that we got a chance to highlight that. We're getting uh, to the end of our, our time here. So I know when this comes out, uh, the Calgary Marathon for sure will be coming up very soon. So where can all of us find out more information, sign up for your races? Where would you like to point people to? Yeah, so if you want to sign up for any of uh, the Run Calgary races, I will direct you to runcalgary.com where we have a listing of all of our events. And if you are specifically interested in joining us on race weekend, which again is Sunday, May 29th for the race and package pickup is the two days before, um, then I will direct you to calgarymarathon.com. And we hope to see you at the newly minted service Calgary Marathon this year. How about you, Rachel? How can people sign up for the Manitoba Marathon? Uh, People can sign up for Marathon, Manitoba Marathon, by going to manitobamarathon.mb.ca. Uh, and signing up for either the in-person or the virtual event. And uh, if they want to go directly to the race roster page, they're welcome to do that as well. You can access that through our website. Our event is June 19th, and our virtual race goes from June 19th to July 31st. You've both talked quite passionately about the the events that you you um, organize and your relationship with running and the running community. How has running and being a race director for, or sorry, executive director for these events inspired you? Let's start with Rachel. It has really encouraged me to continue my health journey. 
I came into running late in my life. I, I was actually a dancer growing up and danced professionally in my younger years. So I actually didn't even do gym class when I was in junior high and high school because I didn't have to. Um, and so when I started running, I didn't really believe that I was athletic. And um, in working with the marathon and continuing my health journey and living a healthy, active lifestyle, but really um, allowing myself to commit to building the running community in Winnipeg and Manitoba and, you know, giving my time away from my family and taking it and building that running, helping to build that running community and giving people the opportunity to come on race day, uh, whether it's the Manitoba Marathon or a smaller event throughout the year, you know, and achieve their goals and help them in their training and, you know, working in the schools and seeing all the kids cross the finish line and working with teachers and things like that. It's been really fulfilling. And um, I can't think of a, a better way to, you know, spend my years really in giving back to the community and working with these amazing people. Wow, very well said. And what about you, Kirsten? Uh, how does the running community inspire you? Yeah, I think there's like a, a saying that's like, if you love what you do, you never really work a day in mm -hmm. your life. And I truly feel like this is the best job. And most race directors I know feel that. And I get to work with amazing people like Rachel. The industry is just like made up of really down to earth, awesome people who mm -hmm. might not otherwise connect, but because we're all runners first. I mean, the majority of race directors are runners first. So um, I feel just so blessed to have come to this as a job. I mean, come to it first as an athlete and also um, now getting to be such a big part of the community in Calgary is like, yeah, it's a dream. I, I hope I can do it until I can't do it anymore. I would say that I'm constantly inspired by the people I meet and their stories and you know often when it's hard to peel yourself off the couch after a long hard day and you know people like you know 82 year old Jerry Miller our Canadian uh, world championship age grouper who's a good friend of mine and he stops by my office with snacks like every week like last week it was grapes it was cheese a few weeks ago and he's like oh I just came out for my 12 12 kilometer run and I'm like already planning my excuses in my head I mean I'm inspired to get off my butt and run because of people like him I I just think it's it's such a a great way to invest back in your community it's like adding to the vibrancy and the the overall like health and wellness of your community so I feel super grateful mm. Well, they say one should aim for work-life balance, and I've never liked that phrase. I like work-life harmony a whole lot more. And like you just said, when you're when you're doing what you love and loving what you do, the lines really blur. And you both are very blessed to be in the roles that you're in, I think. And our running community is really lucky to have you in those roles. Thank Definitely. You. And I think uh, it's very obvious from this conversation what passionate community builders you both are and sign up. The websites are in the show notes. Calgary Marathon Weekend is happening May 29th, Manitoba Marathon Father's Day, June 19th. And uh, thank you for all you do to make our communities a better place. <laughs>